At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this Made in America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say Made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. You know, we all have that one special dog hanging out on the porch. He's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All these things you like coming together to make one superb dog. That was exactly what we had in mind when we made this show. Welcome to All Mixed Up. Lauren, what's up? Hey. How are you? I, guess, I mean, I guess I'll let you see my face. <laughs> I was debating it on my end and I was like, I guess I'll put on some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess everybody's lucky that I did too. Anyway, um, yeah, like quick catch up, I guess. Uh, we haven't talked in a while and I've been super duper busy. And I was thinking the other day on how like your season, as far as like your dog, 
dogs is slowing down or slow, like halted right now. Dead. Yeah. And I think it was yesterday or two days ago. I was just like laying here. I was like, when do I have a slow part of my season? And I concluded after debating with myself for a long time that it is between February 15th and March 15th. And that's about it. Well, I'm jealous because I got a four month (laughs) dead time that I just want to run my head through a wall. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's really fun and cool that I get to do all the trialing and the water racing and, you know, then there's bear and raccoon and coyote. So that was, yeah. Yeah. I've been busy. Are you thinking about but, uh, getting your dogs onto coyote or are you just going to hunt with other people? Um, Probably mostly other people. Cedar's the only one that I would put down on coyote and she has before. So if I can, it's hard in Wisconsin. It's either like a crappy coyote season or a good one. So um, I just see if I can get in, but gotcha. all this um, swim racing and field trialing has been super awesome. I was just at a swim race on Saturday and we raised $5,000 for the WBHA. And now just in a couple years, like two years, we have raised now, I think it's about $15,000 just in our one um, benefit field trial and swim races held over like the last two years. And then a couple Saturdays ago, we raised over $5,900 for a fellow houndsman battling brain cancer. Wow. So we houndsmen can come together and really make a difference. It's, Those are the kind of success really awesome. stories and I like to hear. And have a fun time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. You know, um, I was going to ask you this and then that came up. So I'll, I'll just save it for another time. But uh, we got a great episode today. Uh, we got a lot of cool content, um, interviewed some some really cool guys and I took one for the show today. Um, my friend, Matt, that I met in Canada from freedom hunters, his story was awesome and he was just a cool guy and, uh, I had to have him on the show. So, uh, for a segment, I got him and uh, we're going to be talking to a, a, another friend of mine. Who's a long time coyote sight hound hunter. And, uh, he's going to be talking to us about how his season went last year and what he's looking forward to this season. And just a little bit of his takes on, what he likes for a super duper coyote dog. And uh, that's the awesome. other side of the other side of the Western sight hound game that I want to explore and talk about more than just hair coursing, just, you know, mix it up. Even though the long eared ones, I got a special place in my heart for them. You know, this, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's still cool to chase coyotes with some big dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing. They're hulking beasts. Hey, I got to ask you, I, I can't let it go. Why cedar and nobody else? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think she will just excel. Like, she's not a super good coon dog. I never really started her on coon. She, she just comes along. Um, and she's really fast on a bear track. And uh, she does better in cold weather than she does in heat because she got heat exhaustion as a puppy. Um, so I just... And she looks like she's built for it. I don't know. It's just we'll just play the CD game. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. I like that. Yeah. I, I and Ridge, he he looks like he's just knocking it out of the park. That's awesome to see. He's such a beast. Honestly, so many of my dogs are just doing super well. And he's at his he's peaking right now. He's not quite at his peak. He's gonna be three in August. Um I don't know. I'm just I'm s- I've been so lucky. I know that. And, but I've also worked hard too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. 
and river swimming paddling through the water like a beast i mean her name is perfect for her she, i know i guess I, I guess i i chose that correctly but yeah they're all they're all doing really good but um it'll be fun to see what happens uh this bear training season um quick note we're talking about um reflection and preparation right yes well at my ripe old age of 35, I am now realizing that I need to reflect and prepare more when it comes to my body. <laughs> For, I know. Like, I wasn't going to bring it up unless you were. <laughs> yeah. So I had never really had an injury that, like, stopped me dead in my tracks from running dogs. And I always just kind of took what I could do for granted. And I injured myself on Saturday, um, my knee. And I'm like, wow, like, this can really ruin like an entire season and how in shape and ready you have to be to handle your dogs. Tell me about it. I've done it two times <laughs> and yeah. I've broken my arm twice. <laughs> I would be okay with, I sprained my wrist. Like I'd be okay with a broken arm because you have another arm. Like you don't have to walk on your arms. You have to walk on your legs. Like yeah. you're like a big part of mobility. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it sucks. I tore my meniscus so. in 2000. Uh, 15 on my uh, right leg and then I tore my meniscus last December in my left leg so uh, I got them both fixed and it's way better now but man that sucks when having a torn knee so I feel for you dude I've been there it's yeah and I knew that knee was weak and I didn't do anything specifically to strengthen it I was just doing like overall conditioning and exercise and now I'm reflecting back and I know I need to prepare better but Anyway, I think we've got some news to cover, right? Yeah, so let's just get right into it. Lauren, tell us the news. I'm going to let you take it away, girl. You're the the internet queen and you see all the good stuff. Let's do it. Yeah, well, and sometimes I forget to like screenshot things. So, um <laughs> Yeah, here we go. So South Dakota, you guys, um, super interesting. Maybe I just haven't been um, involved or seeing this in the past, but they have a nest predator program right now, but it's for the youth, which is pretty cool. Um, I've seen some comments on it, and it's also been shared to like other states in other states saying that they need it. Um, I will comment on that later. Um, So the 2022 Nest Predator Bounty Program opens for South Dakota youth under the age of 18 as of March 1st. So the program is all South Dakota residents um, April 1st. Tales from raccoon, striped skunk, badger, red fox, and opossum will be eligible for $10 per tail with a maximum payout of $500,000. So $10 per tail, like you can't even get a raccoon really to pay $10. The thing is the collection dates are March, April, May, June, July, which now we're not in prime fur season. So it's like strictly like kill them. And what do we do with the rest of the fur, which I have a problem with. And why wasn't this program enacted in like the winter months, the fall winter months? Yeah. I think, um, I think the main reason, okay. So I'm just going to play devil's advocate. It's about eradication so I don't think they really care about fur quality. Yeah. I think they assume that 99% of them are just going to go in the ground. And the reason maybe they didn't go in the wintertime possibly could have been that hunter engagement would have been lower because in the in the wintertime, other people are hunting like elk, deer, 
they're running a nor- like big game for their hounds. They may not want to find the time to uh, hunt these like nest invaders and nest predators because I'll tell you, I wouldn't in the winter time. I want to run my dogs after my stuff and uh, I want to take advantage of the winter hunting seasons. But if that happened now, like in April, I'd be all over it because I got nothing else to do. And I want to get out there and have an excuse to be out in the woods. Yeah. Or, you know, so. And I think. I, yeah. The big thing is like the turkey population. Everybody's always talking about the turkey population. So I, I would assume that's a driving force. Yeah. They um, maybe be, be a, removing them when they're more active looking for nests to raid as well. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Um, but it was interesting, you know, the, the $500,000 maximum payout and, and things like that. And, Hey, this is probably because honestly, because trapping and hunting has dwindled in the past. So now those nest predators haven't been controlled overall. And now we're in this, this conundrum where we have to now pay people to get tails of these animals. Um, and then like, I saw comments like, Oh, we'll, we'll just take the roadkill. Like the thing's already dead. You didn't kill it. You know? So there's probably some, unethical practices i wouldn't call that unethical roadkill but you know stuff like that and then so this was shared to wisconsin and then i saw somebody in wisconsin saying oh we need this we need this and i thought to myself do we though and an article just came out talking about the turkey hunt for 2022 and the harvest and the harvest was up five percent from last year um 39,007 wild turkeys were taken and um, there was a late green up this year in Wisconsin, less than optimal weather in this year's early time periods. Um, and these results coupled with increased harvest recorded in at least three other Midwestern states in the spring suggest that this year was good for turkey reprodu- reproduction and survival in the region and may at least temporarily um, halt concerns about population declines, at least in this area. So Wisconsin seems to be healthy. Other states, potentially not so much. Yeah, and I guess you weigh out those um, cost-benefit analysis of dealing with the PR nightmare of having a bounty hunt for these nest carnivores. But at the same time, turkeys are economically important to the state and coons maybe. Well, actually, yeah, coons too from, from Hound Hunter. But like possums and stuff, I think they just, and skunks, I think. Uh, I think You can make yeah. a lot of money off a of skunk, you know. I know, like and that still essence? surprises me. Like, yeah, ugh. <laughs> that's so gross. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> anyway. So anyway. I've, got, <laughs> I've got I've got some other news. You know, with so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being. Oh wait, <laughs> we're not going there. But still, you guys know about all the drama that can surround the coonhound world, especially in the registries, right? You've heard of all these leagues, you know, one-on-one hunts and the drama with UKC hunts. And what are we going to do about that, right? Well, I just saw that there is a new kennel club coming up called the Superior Kennel Club. And I was like, well, this intrigues me. Let me find out some more information. Um, So Todd Sellers and David Beasley started it with a focus on the youth. And the big difference with this is it's nonprofit and there's no entry fees ever. And get this, you know, with like every other hunt, there's strike points and tree points. You probably got to see that when you went on your coon hunt um, with uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. So there's only tree points 
Um, and it's one-on-one. So they say it takes the strategy out of it as far as like being a slick handler and it makes it more purely about the dog. Um, the big push is to get the youth involved and it's only $20 for an annual membership. It's called the Superior Kennel Club. And that $20 goes to the world championship. And what I implore you guys to do is go check it out. There's a Facebook group called Superior Kennel Club. And um, there's some great people involved. And there is zero tolerance for drama. You can look at the rules that have been typed up, and it's right on top. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out. And they're saying, um, you know, kind of our hunts, at least up north, slow down in the fall and winter. So there might be um, a better chance to stay more involved with hunting, competition hunting uh, in the north if you join this kennel club. Yeah, that sounds so, awesome. check it out. I- I think the the fun thing about hunting with friends is, or competition hunting would be, you know, you, you're hanging out with other houndsmen and women, but man, like, I hate drama. So that sounds incredibly appealing to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. me too. I mean, I've been part of the drama and just been turned off by a lot of the competition hunts. So I don't know, maybe I'll give it a shot. $20 for an annual membership. And it's pretty cool. The certain if you win a certain amount of hunts in your state, um, then you can progress to the world. And I don't know. Just look the rules up, you guys. It's pretty neat. And that's the news I have for that. So speaking of hunting with dogs, I've got some news out of Vermont. And <laughs> if we know, we know there's always news coming out of Vermont because that's one of the epicenters of the anti-hunting, anti-hound hunting genre i don't know yeah. whatever yeah but um so there were two laws that were coming through that were that started as outright bans to um hound hunting for coyotes and then a trapping ban um but there were just uh laws signed by governor phil scott um to limit coyote hunting with dogs so a hunter cannot go after a coyote with a dog that includes decoy dogs unless they have the permit from the fish and wildlife commissioner and there's only 100 permits annually they also need the hunters also need a courtesy permission card to let their dogs loose on private land so in vermont your land has to be posted and recorded every year Um, And private land, if that is not, is open to hunting. But now they need a courtesy permission card to let their dogs loose on private land. And I'm assuming there's a ton of private land out there. Um, The second law, which started as a ban for trapping, um, they called it leg hold trapping, which we know isn't a thing. It's foothold. Um, It tasked now the commissioner of Vermont Fish and Wildlife to come up with best practices when it comes to trapping, which Wisconsin already does. There's BMPs, best management practices. Um, So we'll see what comes out of that. But the coyote hunting thing has me really worried because if they can do that for coyotes, they can do that for bear. They can do that for raccoon. They can do that for anything. Coyotes, please. Coyotes, the most ubiquitous canine on this freaking continent, except for the domestic dog. Oh God, it's just a, they're not even Nate. They're not even native to Vermont. And that's just says like, I think a lot of it stemmed from like individual instances that happened in Vermont. It is. It's just, and it always does. Yeah. It always does. But that means we just need to be better. Like don't be a jerk when the dogs get on land and the people are like, you've got to leave, you know, or if they cause damage 
to like fence or something like that. Get it fixed right away. Just be a good person. Yeah. But do it that's, that's what we're it up against. Good. Yeah. That's what we're up against. If they're doing this for coyote, other states are going to follow suit. We need to be ready. And we need to know this can happen for any type of game that we could pursue. Yeah. That's a excellent mention. Thank you, Lauren, man. That is well, we lost trapping on public land. I, I think uh, there'll be a resurgence here to get that back when we get an administration change. I uh, fired off some pretty unsavory letters to my state senator who's actually in my district could uh, just whatever. Anyway, uh, it's a, it's very infuriating. So houndsman, just remember like we're, we'll help you guys keep on the forefront of these kinds of things. Stay alert and uh, get active when you can and be ready to activate when the time comes, when they're trying to do something as insane as banning hunting coyotes with dogs. So yeah, just uh, stay vigilant. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, thanks for the You're new welcome. segments and we'll move right along. So everybody knows how pumped I was for the Canada trip. And when I was talking the 63 bears in five days episode, I was so pumped. I mean, it was just so fun to recount all that to you guys. And I was just, I mean, everyone that listened to the episode knows I got a lot of people reached out to me and they were just like, you're an Dude. epic storyteller. <laughs> well, you are. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I can feel, I can feel it and see it in my head. Like it was happening right in front of me again. So I, one of the warriors there, I, I got pretty close to, he was cool and uh, they all were, but he, this guy in particular was uh, just really friendly. And he was very articulate and wanted to just learn about the dogs and he was taking notes and stuff. Like I was like, Oh, this guy. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to have him on the show. So I interviewed him and I was like, you know, it was going to be a tailgate talk. And I was like, you know, I want it to be on a main episode so that people can hear, you know, one of the warriors from freedom hunters and, and someone who just hound hunted for the first time and what they thought about it. So, uh, you guys stay tuned. Uh, this is uh, the episode with me and my friend Matt from the Freedom Hunters trip in Canada. So after a first attempt that was really good, but because of me failed, I have uh, my good friend Matt back on the line. Matt, thanks for rejoining me here on the podcast, bud. Absolutely, Seth. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. How did your, uh, how did your elk scouting experience go? Oh, it, it was so great. Yeah, it was really great. Um, I got a added bonus of finding some uh, some fire morel mushrooms uh, when oh, I was out looking for signs. So awesome. it was kind of a nice little bonus. Yeah, um, lots of lots of elk sign out there. Um, I was out in the Wenatchee National Forest area that was heavily impacted by the uh, Schneider Springs fire uh, from last year. So uh, a lot of the trails haven't been cleaned up. Uh, there's a lot of logs that have been knocked over the trail. So there hasn't been a lot of people back there. Um, in about a year so there's a lot of wildlife that's starting to come back and get close and lots of mushrooms so man i i love eating mushrooms and uh there's just not a variety of them in the wild here the only ones that grow out here are why uh very poisonous as pretty much every green thing is here spiky poisonous or both so i'm really jealous of people that can go out and just forage and do their own thing yeah, I love it. I'll I'll send you some. I'll I'll dry some out and I'll I'll send you a bunch. Dude, that'd be sweet. Thanks. Yeah, so I got uh, everybody. I got Matt on the line. He was one of the awesome warriors that came with us to British Columbia to um, hunt some bears and and have a great time. And I really was drawn to Matt. He's articulate and fun and cool. And I was 
having a good time uh, picking his brain. He's an avid hunter. So Matt, why don't you introduce yourself to the Houndsman XP Nation, brother? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, and Seth, thank you for that that warm introduction. Um, I got to show you this really quick. I made this uh, this picture. I know I know I can't see you, but I'm hoping you can see me. I got this frame. Oh, awesome! Uh, nice picture of all of us. I sent one to Anthony, and he should get it um, tomorrow or the next day. And I'll have to I'll have to get you one of these too. It was such a great trip, dude. Um, thanks. Huge, huge thanks to uh, Freedom Hunters. And all the generous sponsors that made this hunt possible, uh, you know, not under any other circumstance would I have been able to go on a guided hunt, bear hunt in in Canada. That really was like the hunt uh, of a lifetime. So it was a very humbling experience. I had a great time. I've been talking about it nonstop since I've been home. I'm driving everybody crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, dude. Me too. <laughs> bear talk. Uh, it's so funny. I, I met a I met a buddy the other night. We went to go shoot some pool, and uh, he was telling his wife, "He's like, oh, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go meet Matt, you know, down the pub for a little bit." And she goes, "Oh, you mean Bear Matt?" <laughs> and so apparently, I <laughs> assumed this new identity. Um, but uh, yeah, man, thanks to Freedom Hunters, uh, really great crew. Uh, and then just kind of dive back in. Um, just an introduction about myself. Uh, my my two biggest passions are are hunting and conservation. Right. And I'll jump into the hunting part real quick. Uh, I have the good fortune to come from a long line of hunters. My grandfather uh, was a big time deer hunter in Michigan where he raised his family. Uh, my dad and my uncle Greg, both lifelong hunters, um, very successful hunters. My dad used to hunt moose, caribou uh, in Alaska. And I remember uh, being a kid and watching my dad you know, he would drive up there from Washington state and then drive back down and watching him pull into the driveway car, totally filthy, trunk full <laughs> of meat, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. And I, and I loved it, you know, uh, made a big impression on me as a kid. Uh, my uncle's a big hunter as well. So I, I grew up, you know, I grew up in this kind of uh, firearms community. And to me as a kid, um, it was just normal, right? It's really, really mm-hmm. normal part of my upbringing, shooting 22s and then later on shotguns and getting in target shooting. Um, and it was a really meaningful kind of dimension to my life. And so I guess I've just kind of um, carried that on, carried that on. So now I like, I love to hunt. I love being outside. Um, I have a 12 year old son uh, and he went on his first hunt this year. Um, he shot a, a turkey with a bow and arrow from 22 nice. yards. Nice. Yeah. So, He's a little sniper. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, well, you're also out there slaying with your bow. You were the only hunter that took a bear with a bow, so that was pretty impressive. Yeah, oh, that was so much fun. Uh, that was a punishing three days. You know, I think I think one thing about being a bow hunter is you have to be, you have to have a certain uh, appetite for disappointment. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. As a flintlock hunter, I know how you feel. I mean, we both. You take what you can get a lot and you better be ready to fail a lot of stocks. That's just going to happen. You mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. And yeah. I was, I just wanted you to succeed so bad with the hounds. I, I wanted to see you get one with a bow with me there on the hounds, but you know, life had a different, uh, different outlook for us. And I, I just wanted to uh, let everyone know this was your first time hound hunting. And this was my first time, um, in the North woods hunting for bears with hounds. And this is the first time I'd ever seen a bear treed for both of us. 
And so, uh, why don't you, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to take all this glory, man. You and I were both just geeking out in that truck. Obviously I think I was a little bit more hyped than you were, but both of us were really amped up, really, um, pumped guys. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us what you thought of your first time hound hunting, man? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and once again, I know I keep saying this, but I want, I want to thank you for being patient with all the questions that I was peppering you with. Dude, uh, I love that stuff. In the truck. <laughs> and it was before 9 a.m. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, so, I'm happy from the second yeah. my feet hit the ground. <laughs> we're like, we're still working on our coffee. And I'm like, what about this? What about that? How does this work? And oh, I love it, dude. <laughs> awesome guy uh, fielding all those questions. So, yeah, for that was my first time hunting with hounds um, ever, like in my entire life. So um, it was, it was really exciting. You know, the last time we talked, I was kind of shooting from the hip about some different things that I like this time I actually took a minute and jotted down some notes. Cause I wanted to make sure that um, I touched on all these um, things that I thought were, were interesting. Um, uh, so first of all, like, like I really liked um, how, you know, you said something to the effect that, you know, being, you know, hunting with hounds or being a houndsman is more of a lifestyle than it is something that you do right so it wasn't just like a a hobby that you pick up once in a while this is like a very big part of you know who you are and who other houndsmen are um and i and i like that that resonated with me because i can identify with that a little bit as a as an archer i get that you know it's not just something that we do i don't shoot an arrow once in a while because it's fun it's it's something i do every day because i because i love it um and so uh I kind of, I got that, I got that vibe from you and I can tell that you were really excited to be out there. Um, the, the first thing that kind of jumped out at me, no pun intended is, uh, how excited <laughs> these dogs were, right? Like they, <laughs> for some reason, you know, as someone that has never hound hunted, I had all these different preconceived notions of what it is and what to expect and what to be like. Um, and so like, I really wanted to make an effort when I got out there, like I wanted to like suspend my own judgment and just put it on the back burner and, and really learn, you know, I wanted to walk away from this experience and, and learn. And the first thing that never, it never occurred to me is, uh, the personalities and the interactions, uh, of the dogs within the dogs, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I loved how excited they were. And I think, uh, you know, people that have this conception of, you know, like these dogs are getting, you know, like you better get out there and like run. It was exactly the opposite, right? The dogs like could not wait, could not wait to get out of the truck and, and chase something down. Yep. So I was really psyched by that. Like I, I really enjoyed that energy, you know, and seeing an animal that was kind of like finely tuned and in its element doing what it was engineered and designed to do. Um, dogs are super happy. And so like, I liked, I liked seeing these dogs you know, running like bullets, running all over the woods. Um, that was, that was really awesome. Um, another thing that struck me is that, you know, when I, when I typically hunt in a spot and stock technique, the only area of the forest that's available to me is the the road, the dirt road that I happen to be on or the game trail that I happen to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of my surrounding that's inaccessible to me. Um, with the hounds, it's like the whole, the whole landscape opens up. And that, for better that and for was, worse. <laughs> for better and for worse. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we, we'd be driving down. Dogs would pick up a scent. They'd start barking. Like, I didn't see anything. I didn't notice anything. But, like, they're they're picking up on on what's out there in the playing field. So, um, I and I like that. I was like, man, these dogs are, you know, yeah. they're taking what's accessible to me and they're multiplying it by 10. It's incredible there. to think that, you know, all the bears we struck from the rig, <laughs> we didn't see any of those bears except one. 
And the rest of those bears were hidden in the bushes. And the day that you had missed that I went out with Lloyd, the bear was 40 yards off the road, you know, so the dogs just thundered into the forest and instantly started chasing him. So I, I, I get what you're saying. And I also find that so incredible that the whole invisible world that we can't perceive with our eyes, they're perceiving in this map of their nose. And they're like time travelers that can go back and then bring the past into the present by running up on this animal in the thick woods. And I just think that's really cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well said, you know, and, you know, looking at a, you know, looking at a few day old track in the dirt, right. If it had rained the, that morning, that track could look potentially fresher than, than it actually is. And so it's always kind of a crapshoot. If you're looking at fresh tracks or not with the docks, you know, like, you know, you can be relatively certain that those tracks are fresh. Um, yeah. The, I think the another thing that struck me as interesting was the like the the different the different sounds of the barks of the dogs and how you yes. were able to tell like oh that's you know that's that's so and so or this this is that other dog and and I was really impressed by that because like to me it was at first it was all barking right it's like this one category of barking um, but then as the day progressed and you're kind of teaching me about you know like what harkening is and what that means and. Um, even the cadence of the barks to indicate if, you know, they're getting close or what's happening. Um, that, was, that was pretty exciting, you know, being able to kind of read the lay of the land by the tonality of the dogs. Uh, I found that incredible when I first went sin hound hunting first. And uh, Lauren, she's one of the co-hosts of the show. She has some blue tick hounds and we were hunting raccoons. And it's very similar to what we're doing, except it's all done at night. So you don't, you even have the humans, you know, like visual sense completely stripped away and it's a completely an auditory experience. And so you quickly learn, you know, who is who and what does each dog bark mean? And Lauren, luckily she's really um, energetic like we are. And she was happy to every single bark, tell me who it was and what it meant. And so I was quickly over the course of about two weeks learning those cadences of a scent hounds bark. And then by the time I got to British Columbia, I'd felt pretty confident about those different tonalities of barks. And then all you have to do is learn what each dog sounds like. And it's pretty, uh, it's pretty easy to do when you have a badass like Lloyd with you. I, I've never met a tracker like Lloyd. He was a beast. How he spotted some of those bare footprints, I was blown away. And so he was also really uh, more than happy to talk to us about, you know, how his dogs do things. But yeah, man, I, I was just, me and you both were kind of just soaking it all up. And I was pumped to have someone like you along who was just like, so um, enthused. A lot of people just think that you drop a tailgate and dogs just magically tree something. So in a way, even though we didn't succeed on our nine hour race, I'm really happy that you got to see like the epic nature of a super duper bear race. And like, that was obviously my first time seeing something like that too, but man, we both got to experience that was, that was a tough day. That was a tough day uh yeah that that was a day i will not uh soon forget and yeah and that was i think one of my biggest you know misconceptions was yeah as soon as the dogs run out like you have an animal within 10 seconds and then it's game over and then you're off to lunch and it couldn't be furthest from the truth right it's not a not a sure thing uh you know and, and we were out there slugging out there for man hours i'll never forget being in that waist deep snow Oh, uh, <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> it was like it was it was all downhill uh, from that Tuesday. I was like, it can only get uh, better. 
as far as <laughs> as far as terrain goes, right? As far as the terrain goes. So. Dude, I've never been that demoralized from hiking ever. That yeah. was that was <laughs> insane. My feet were popsicles. I was not prepared for that snow like that and also dude the gps when i was looking at the handheld lloyd said when we were on the road we were moving at three miles an hour but when we when we were moving through that heavy brush when the dogs crossed way up there dude we were moving at three quarters of a mile an hour and gomer was moving at nine miles an hour it's just crazy and it was it's shocking how fast they can move through that horrible country for nine hours you know right yeah no breaks, no rest. It's impressive. The work ethic of the dogs, um, just that singular focus, right? Like I will run until my body breaks down. I won't stop until I get to my goal. Uh, It was pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. You know, Uh, I think too, one thing that really struck me when we were all, when we were hanging out too, is how cool was it to see the bear like run across the road, you know, like right in front of us? Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think that was my favorite part. I too, me too. bear bolt across and then pretty soon the dogs are coming across it was like a police chase right like you're yeah. parked down the block and you see the cars zipping from you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was a lot of fun who was your favorite dog in the pack oh man i had gomer me too me too yeah uh, don't don't tell the other dogs that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what, did, what did you like about gomer uh it's so all right so it's a tie between gomer and chappy but i think uh uh gomer was just uh it was just like this unstoppable force of nature right like you just like let him go and he would he would split you know it was crazy a couple times he'd come back to the truck and you know it's kind of watching the dogs a little bit and you can you can kind of get a little idea of their you know their personalities and you know and their thought process for lack of a better phrase and uh i just i just i just like the way that he was he was like let me get after this yes. bear or whatever it is it's like just let me run you know uh and i and i was impressed by that I was like, Man, yeah that is, that's in a crazy level of drive and focus you know we we um we did a recap episode that just came out today uh me just talking about it so this was the first time i've ever experienced a Karelian bear dog and uh man i what i loved about him is how quick he would just run right up on a bear and Chappie had crazy speed for a hound. He was, but what I liked about Chappie is he would hear Gomer barking and like run up the trail until Gomer, you know, would stop barking. And then he'd put his head down and trail as fast as he could. But did you notice how Chappie got way ahead of Tui and, and the other hound, uh, Willow, Tui and Willow and Chappie like saved that first race that we treed on because you know, we could see them. How cool was that drive track, that screen in the front of the, of the car, you know what I mean? Or the truck. That thing was, yeah, just, that was, that was yeah. next level, dude. I didn't even know that was a thing. until you know, seeing the GPS trackers on the collars, it, it added to the whole experience. It really it made it fun for us. Cause we could see everything in like real time on the big screen, which was so red. Yeah, but, was, yeah. I, I just I, thought it was super cool to have uh Chappie you know, save that first race. When he ran across the road by himself, I was like, oh man, Chappie is such a beast. And then we cut Gomer in to help him out. And Gomer, after he had run so far, he charged in there and treed that bear with Chappie. And dude, I don't know how thick it is. Why, why don't you explain the the difference in where you hunt versus where we were? Or unless, unless they're super similar. 
they yeah they're they're pretty they're pretty similar west west side hunting tends to be a lot thicker um underbrush right so it's it's a lot harder to get through especially as an archer um it can be a little challenging lining up the shots the the eastern side of washington and more towards the blue mountains um it it does open up um quite a bit so i think i think the terrain that we were in was a pretty good representation of um a lot of the terrain that I'm used to, to hunting back home, but with just a little bit more, a uh, little bit more underbrush. Gotcha. But, gotcha. So you're pretty, pretty used to looking into the forest and going, ah, damn, <laughs> we got to yeah. walk through that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, man, if you, if you sneeze or, you know, twitch a finger, you're going to make a noise in the branches. And so it's, uh, it's a challenge. And so uh, ironically, sometimes hunting in the rain, out here will help you because it camouflages any kind of noise that you're making as you're breaking through the brush. But, um, I certainly, I certainly have an appreciation for these dogs, you know, moving as fast as they were through the same terrain that we were in. Um, you know, and me moving as slow as I was, (laughs) all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Lloyd would be like, come on, keep up. You know what I mean? (laughs) I was like, I was walking on frozen stumps, dude. Like, (laughs) I, Man, I'll never forget him looking back at us just like it with, you know, almost disdain. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with you guys? I was Stop trying. Me, we were trying. <laughs> yeah. Suck it up. <laughs> Did you, um, let me ask you something. Did you have any preconceived like notions? Cause I, I was just, I, I always, I'm sure you remember a million times. I was like, yo, it's not going to be like, we just drop a tailgate and they magically tree. But did you have any, um, pre yeah preconceived thoughts about what it was going to be like and and surprised at the reality of it yeah yeah i was i was surprised by you know i thought that uh with the dogs it would be a lot faster you know like you mentioned earlier the tailgate drops dogs dogs run out and then by the time you climb out of the truck you have your animal treed and then you're you're and the hunt's over and then that's it um and that was that was a pretty eye-opening experience where I was like, this is not, um, you know, it's certainly not easy by any means, right? It's not like, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, I'm gonna throw in the towel, send in the dogs and, you know, get the animal and I'm gonna go get it. It's like, it's hard, man. It's probably harder than spotting and stalking. Um, so that was really eye-opening for me. I was like, man, this is really challenging. This is really challenging. Um, I think that. Yeah, I'd say that that was like that was the, the big thing. one. Yeah, that was mine too. And I'm a hound hunter because I'm a sight hound hunter. And even with even with all the stuff I've learned, even I was like, oh yeah, we'll just you know go tree a coon in like you know ten seconds, ten whatever, ten minutes. When and it can happen, but it's more often than not, it's way more. You know, ah, oh, he made a loss. We need to like you know recalibrate, bring him in, send him out again. Like it, it yeah, it was intense and. One thing I, I really enjoyed that we all got to experience, and this was my first time experiencing that, is the hounds also add this element to a big game hunter's arsenal's backup for trailing wounded animals. And yep. we used the the hounds to find a bear that had gotten hit, and it wasn't the best hit. And uh, yeah, I, I mentioned when we were sitting on the couch, I remember you brought that up and you really liked that, the aspect of finding that wounded bear. Yeah, 100%. I think... You know, being being an ethical hunter, I think there there really is, uh, uh, you know, there's an obligation and a duty, right, to 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 train with your platform, whether it be a, 
a rifle or uh, a bow and arrow or a crossbow or what have you to be the most proficient shooter you can be um, to make that shot the most accurate it can be so the animal doesn't have to suffer any more than it needs to. And so, um, you know, and that being said, like you, conditions are never perfect, right? Like you don't always get that bench rest shot, you know? And so sometimes, yeah, like you, you won't always place where, where you want to. And, you know, God forbid an animal like run off and not be recovered. Right. I think, I think that's like one of the biggest fears, you know, of a lot of hunters is that, you know, you get an animal just enough to wound it, but not enough to kill it. Um, before it runs off four or 500 yards and, you know, um, and just kind of vanishes. So um, with the dogs, the dogs in tow, man, like, I love that. It's, it's, you can, you know, virtually guarantee that, um, you know, once you, once you get that blood trail, like you'll, you'll find your animal. Right. And so um, I, I really like that. I think that's responsible hunting. That was so awesome. That was really exciting. That whole morning was just crazy. And uh, the, patrons that are listening to this get a can see all that footage i had the whole gopro strapped on the whole time we went up to that and and found that wounded bear that was that was incredible and i think matt you are the first person the first guest i've enter, ever interviewed that had notes prepared ahead of time and i'm a huge note taker so i'm like yes yes good good was there any other points on that notebook you wanted to hit brother yeah i'd say you know i you know, I applaud you and your efforts and what you're doing. I think it's, it's so important to, you know, keep hunting on the, on the forefront um, of people's minds and especially, you know, people that don't always get the kind of press that, uh, you know, that really, that really should be out there, you know, like putting a, a good foot forward uh, for the hunting public. So I'm excited to, to be a part of, of that effort and support you, uh, you know, in that, uh, you know, in that arena. Um, and then, uh and also just, man, I just, I just hope we get to do this again. You know, I keep thinking, it's like, I wonder if there's going to be a, a part two, uh, to this Canadian, uh, bear hunt. So there could be a part two. If you went to New Mexico, man, you're always welcome to come run some speed with me, brother. Bring your son too, man. It'd be fun. If he wants to come. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think he, he will after he saw the bear meat come home. Um, I think, you know, the only, the only caveat that I have is just on the, um, on the conservation side of things, because I think, um, and I truly believe that hunting and conservation really go hand in hand. Um, according to Rocky Mountain Elk, he, or Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, they, they said they're one and the same thing. Um, and I know that, you know, living where I do in, in Washington state, um, you know, we're the benefactors of, you know, a lot of a lot of conservation efforts to keep wildlife populations, um, you know, in healthy places. You know, we have the Olympic national park was originally stood up in 1909 by Teddy Roosevelt, um, as the Mount Olympus national monument. And that was to protect elk populations in the area. It wouldn't be until later 1938 that the Olympic national park would get its name and, um, and, and what it is today. So, and, you know, I kind of think back and it's like, if we, if we don't have these people that are stepping up and saying, like, we, we need to protect these places and these, and these animals, you know, there's a very real possibility we could lose it. Absolutely. And people tend to forget that we're the ones putting the bill, you know? Right. right. And hound hunting is a huge part of the scientific community. That's another thing that I think it's ironic that people that want to ban hound hunting tend to kind of turn a blind eye to that houndsmen are the number one way we get data on these large 
very secretive carnivores like mountain lions and bobcats. They're the best way to find these. Well, look at the bears. You rarely see them unless they're standing on the side of the road. You're never going to find them in those woods, but then you can turn these dogs loose and uh, they'll find one for you. And I think that's really cool. They're a great partner for conservation. So, so Seth, bearing that in mind, let me, let me ask you this, right? You know, Washington, we lost hound hunting way back in 1996. And they're starting to slowly reintroduce it last year in 2021, but only for, um, you know, nuisance animals on farms and public safety issues, right? But there's still like a very big effort to keep hound hunting illegal, right? So how do we get it back, right? It's getting in a kind of state where we can't use hounds. What, what do we need to do to get this back on the books? Well, the first thing you have to do is vote and and change public perception you know people like you that have come out and that are leaders in conservation and and are you know coming out and experiencing other things and and you see what hound hunting really is i I think it's really sad that there's an incredibly large contingent of big game hunters that have a really negative view of hunting with dogs and you know it's funny because they bring back these aspects of hunting with dogs that society is deemed quote-unquote acceptable And the sad part about living in a state where the majority of the cities are ruling the rural masses is that these laws get passed with people that have no clue about how, you know, hound hunting is an integral part of controlling these predator populations. Washington has no shortage of mountain lions. You know, there's there. New Mexico's had hound hunting for mountain lions for a century more. And we have incredibly robust mountain lion populations. And so how to get it back? This would be a great question for Chris Powell. Uh, the, the owner of the show, but I think the best way is to change public opinion. And the way I think to start with that is exactly what you were blown away with first, how much fun those dogs are having. And, and people tend to think that hunters are out there like these brutes. And there's people like us that we, I couldn't love a jackrabbit more than anyone in this world. And because I love them, I love the places that they live. And because I want to benefit these places they live, everyone benefits. And I think that's our best angle in the 21st century is that by hunting with dogs, we are a keeping these ancient breeds alive that have a task to do. They're not just like these couch mongrels that are doing nothing all day. They're out there doing the things they were born to do, which fulfills them on a super deep level. And then also because we are out there in the woods and we need all hound hunters need massive amounts of land to hunt on. What benefits the hound hunter benefits all the big game hunters because we need this giant area to hunt. So you, the elk hunter, has this giant area to hunt also. And the hounds don't affect the big game populations at all. As a matter of fact, we're helping because we're removing top carnivores at a sustainable and managed level. So it helps the elk hunter, the deer hunter, the turkey hunter. So we're all allies here. And the best way to do that. Uh, I think to get it back is to get active in your local hunting communities and uh, spread the spread the good word and be a leader. Take hunt, take people hound hunting and show them exactly the experience that you and I had, and uh, and and get active. It's not hard, and when you like it, it's really quite easy. Especially someone who's as organized and well spoken as you, it's it's easy for you to um, to take these leadership roles and, and uh, make a difference. You know have a we have a pretty uh it, it's a hot topic in washington state right now to our, our cougar population right so elk numbers are are down 
and trending down. Um, and there's evidence to suggest that it's um, it's calf predation by these cougars. We had a nine-year-old in Stevens County was attacked uh, by a cougar. And then in 2019, we had another little kid in Leavenworth uh, that was attacked by a cougar. And so you know, we, we have a, uh, a situation, I think, that uh, that would really benefit, I think, from a, a robust hound hunting demographic in Washington State. And I think it's unfortunate that we don't have that um, because if we did, I believe the scales would be tipped, right? I think we would see less elk predation. I think we'd see less, you know, attacks on the yeah, kids. Definitely. Things of that nature. And so, yeah, I think, I think there's a good argument to be made for it's like, man, let's bring these hound hunters back. We didn't have these problems when they were, you know, hunting and, you know, all the way up until 95. But, yeah, of course. And that's the thing too, is I think the biggest benefit for uh, Western states is that where we can hunt our hounds safely and effectively is also these massive tracts of land that every hunter wants to protect. I think that's our strongest angle in the West where we have all this public land personally, but that's just my opinion, I suppose. I like it. Well, is What's there any that? other questions you got, brother? Because, man, I was going to have us run for 20 minutes, and you and I can go for an eternity. It's been almost 40 minutes. <laughs> I hope – well, yeah, I don't want to take time from, uh, uh, you know, no, any other cars or, or any other issues. I think the last the last big question in my mind is, what was that homecoming like when you got home from Canada and your dogs got to see you after <laughs> a week? Did they run you down the door? I'm surprised they were pretty excited. They were pretty excited. And uh, I, I was really sad to come back from 50-degree weather and come back to – it's 105 right now. And so it was 95 the next day I got home. And that sucks because the cold temperatures is when I get to enjoy all my dogs. And so it was lame to come back from winter and then come back to heat and see all my little buddies and not be able to take them hunting. So I, I really wanted to come home and run a jackrabbit and I got to wait for another three months before that's possible, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, man. Well, I, I got to tell you, it was, it was great to meet you and, uh, you know, learn about your background and in, in biology and, and the work that you do. And, you know, you were uh, such an awesome influence on the group. You know, there was a, a noticeable temperature change. I think the the day you left, and then a bunch of us guys were out on the on the lake, and you know, things were kind of you know, a little quiet and slow. And you were like, "Man, we can set back here, liven this boat up." <laughs> <laughs> so you were like the, uh, you know, uh, you added a lot uh, to the group. So I think we we're fortunate to to have you down there at the hunt. So um, I appreciate you having me on on your on your podcast. I, I love to talk about hunting. I could. I could do it all day. Um, man, I couldn't thank you enough, man. I made it. I was so sad that we lost our original conversation. It was so good. And so I'm glad we got a rechance. I couldn't let you go, man. So, man, I really appreciate you coming on the Houndsman XP podcast and talking to me about your first time hunting dogs, man. So thanks again, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Seth. Hey, hound doggers. If there is one thing that you could identify Houndsman XP with, it has got to be the message of building unity and bridging the gap. That's why we are proud to sponsor with a company like Dogs Are Treat. Dogs Are Treat is a company that is based in Ecom, Idaho. It's run by houndsmen. The products were designed by houndsmen. We're talking decades of experience in the field with some legendary hounds doing some legendary work out there. And Kevin Hall has put his decades of experience into building products that 
benefit you, the houndsman. So when you're shopping for your gear, check out Dogs Are Treat at dogsartreat.com. And if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code HXP20% off, you will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. Wow, Seth. Thanks so much. That was awesome. (laughs) No problem. Thanks. So uh, I'm just going to keep rolling, you guys. Uh, The next segment I reached out to my friend, Randy Tivis. He's been hunting coyotes for decades and he's a very, uh, I'm just going to say famous, uh, hunter in the Texas area, uh, the plains for coyotes with his sight hounds. And when I thought of the theme of the episode that I had in mind, which was, you know, reflection on last season and preparation for the next, I really like to reach out to these people that have been doing it for decades because they have a much deeper reflective ability, you know? And so I was like, Randy, perfect. I wanted to have another, uh, I wanted to have another coyote hunter on. It's been a long time. And, uh, I really wanted to debut my, my segment speed kills. So stay tuned, everyone. Here we go. Speed kills. Randy, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm hot. I was in the sun all day, so I'm happy to be sitting in my office. I think you can probably see me right now. Uh, maybe that's a bad thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> Same way here. It's been hot and dry. A good friend of mine who I hunt with all the time uh, went up and saw your setup, and he said it was really nice. And I've been wanting to talk to you for some time. You're you're a pretty well-known and famous guy in the sighthound hunting community. So thank you so much for joining me today. You bet. If you don't mind. Yeah, the, oh, go ahead. The barn and everything turned out nice, finally. Uh, it looks awesome. And uh, Justin a had a lot time. of nice things to say about it, for sure. Good. Yeah, I enjoyed visiting with him. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself and uh, just tell us a little about yourself, how long you've been hunting, and, and what you like to do with hounds. Well, I'm Randy Tibbs, and I've been doing it for, I don't know, I mean, all my life, basically, since I was a little kid, my grandpa, and then my dad, and then me. And uh, I guess I'll keep doing it until I'm gone. And hopefully what, a grandkid will take it over. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> what what uh, what do you run? Tell me that again, Seth. What uh, what kind of dogs do you run and what do you chase after? Oh, we run coyotes and mostly my dogs are, uh, you know, the cold bloods as we call them with a little bit of hot blood in them and some, a little, little dab of Saluki, not much, but, but I've, over the last few years, I have put that in my dogs. Yeah, for I the see. reason for the reason of some of the places that we that we hunt now. What do you we think the Saluki to, brings to the table? Well, it, it puts the to me it puts the distance in them mm-hmm. before you know compared to the dogs I had before. Because sometimes you might have to turn them loose a quarter mile or or further, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the the half mile the half mile half hot blood won't won't work. Yeah, I, I really never, love the never, distance. They'll, they'll never get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I uh, I first want to oh. just tell you that your videos are the best in the business. So that was well, something I, that I always really enjoyed watching. <laughs> and sometimes people think that that's the way I hunt all the time. 
and really I don't hunt that way very much. That's around here close during the week. And if I'm having, if I'm wanting to show somebody a pup, yeah, I'll go out here and get close so I can video it. Yep. But yep. On, you don't ever see no, no videos from the weekend because <laughs> we just don't, we don't get close enough. Yeah. I mean, you can't get close enough in some of the, in those canyons in the rough country that we hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where are so you hunting at? We hunt around here, around Amarillo and Hereford. Then we go up. I've got a deal at Stratford and Dalhart. And awesome. All, all up through the, all, you know, a bunch of different ranches up through there. I, I really want to come up and hunt with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to. I, I, uh, I, I just got into coyote dogs through, through Justin. And so we're going to give that a, give that a go this oh, winter. I didn't know you did. I didn't know you got a coyote dog. Yep. So Justin did, and I'm just going to live through his pack for now. And, uh, we just saw a lot of coyotes last season and we were, we were just, uh, missing out, I think. So we were pretty happy to get a set and, uh, we're going to see how it goes. David's going to give us some dogs to help train his pups and they're speed yeah. bred coyote dogs. And, and I right. think they're going to be nice for us. They'll chase a lot of rabbits too. I'm sure. <laughs> That's funny. You say that because I sold a set of coyote dogs to some guys that, that run rabbits down at Plainview. Mm, okay. Yeah. Kind of yeah. the same, kind of the same thought that y'all are having. They see coyotes all the time. So they said, Heck, we might as well take a couple of coyote dogs with us. Yeah, and I I just have some dogs that will chase a coyote, but they're just not – I raised them and trained them for jacks, you know what I mean? Oh, so sure. I, they're yeah. not really tough. They're just they're just uh, kind of playful with them, and that doesn't work too well. Well, they just don't, <laughs> they just don't know what to do. Yes, exactly, exactly. But once you, once you run them this winter, next winter, they'll know what to do. Yeah, and, and I'm really excited to see some of that action and and see these pups. I can't believe how big they are. Holy smokes! Compared to a rabbit dog, they're monsters. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the cow dogs are quite a bit bigger. Why don't you uh, Why don't you explain the kind of dogs you keep and what kind of uh, genetics you like for where you're hunting right now? I know things have changed over the years, but right now, how are you breeding your coyote dogs to maximize your success? Well, I just. I use my spotted dog I call Deuce it's and, and Romo, and I've implemented them into my stuff that I run before because I'm sure you've heard of Rascal. You know, I used to run all his stuff. He was kind of my deal. But I, I took him and I put Deuce, which he's 20% hot, 20% Saluki, and then the rest is the old cactus coat dog stuff. And gotcha. I've taken him and I've put him over on my Rascal females, plus I took him and put him on Miss K. You know, she's the black mm-hmm. female that we just lost, but she was a quarter hot. And then she was the, the old scooter blood. So I got the, uh, that's how uh, I took Deuce and put him on top of them and got my Saluki and stuff in there gotcha. because I want to have a dog that I can go hunt anywhere that I can come to your place and hunt in the desert that I can hunt here in the wheat fields. I can go to Kansas or I can go hunt the rough country. I don't care if someone invites me to go hunting. I want to go, I want to go hunting. Yeah. I want, and I want to have a dog that will perform there. I couldn't agree more about that. The Salukis are just so durable. That's what I really love about mine. I can hunt them so much and it doesn't matter where that Salukis add such good feet. The feet is unbelievable. Yes. How how the hair is around their pads. I mean, you can talk to hundreds of coyote hunters that will not run a coyote across a frozen wheat field. I was one of them because it just cuts their feet to pieces. But now I don't even, it don't even come to my mind. Yeah. 
Definitely. Because of, the, because of the, these dogs' feet and how that the hair comes out by their pads. I, yeah. I run them. I run them all the time, and I don't. They don't cut their feet. Yeah, the Salukis are they're awesome. I have two pure Salukis right now, and they're doing wonderful for me. I they have been a blast, and I run them on some places that I would never run my 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 hot blood mm-hmm. crosses, and it doesn't bother them one bit. Yes. They're catching out there like crazy. So I hunt a big ranch every year in New Mexico, and and it's rocky. You've run rabbits over there close by, I'm sure. It's rock. It's it's flat, but it's just terrible rocks. Mm-hmm. And my dogs, I, when I get through there hunting three days. I can come home and go hunting the next day where before they were done for a week. Yeah. Because I know that all walk, too well. you know, their, their feet were sore. Yep. Yep. So I'm always trying to, first of all, my deal, if a dog has bad feet, I will not breed him. And people say, well, that's dumb. And it may be, but it's not to me because feet are number one. I feet, couldn't agree more. <laughs> their feet, their brain and, and how they, how they see because they have to they have to have good eyes. They have to have that whatever it is where they can see a coyote, you know. Yeah, that's the big difference between rabbit and coyote hunting is that rabbit hunting, the, the rabbit just jumps up and appears right in front of them. But that coyote, he could be streaking across that field like, you know, a half a mile out. Those dogs better be able to see him, you know. Yeah. And especially and, if you and, can't get out there. They need to see him a long ways too, you know. They need to they need they need to have a they need to be smart. They got to be smart and they got to have good feet. Describe to me what a smart coyote dog does. He just, I mean, they're just, it's, it's, they're not all smart, but I'll just use Deuce, for example, because he's my, he's the best one I've ever hauled of all my, all my whole deal. He just, he's got a good eye. He don't get hurt. He's seven years old and he, and he, and he still runs the rocks and the canyons. He takes care of himself. You know, he don't get himself in a jam. He's just smart. Yeah. And what I try to do is like his sons are those liver colored pups. You've probably seen. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I run them with him only for, for the whole winter, hoping that they're his sons that they pick up how he does it. Yeah. By being with him all the time. Yep. Yep. I mean, that dog's never been crippled. He's never had a broke toe. Every time I've gone coyote hunting, he goes with me. I've yeah, never yeah. left him home and he's seven years old. He's so, uh, really famous. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's not because he's mine. I mean, I didn't raise that. I bought him as a pup from Dwayne, but he's what I want all my dogs to be like. Mm-hmm. And that's why I breed. That's why I breed him. I mean, yeah. I wondered where he got that shit, like the fur from. He's He's got the white and like, brown fur right he's kind of kind of silky furry right yeah he, yeah all my dogs are silky haired yeah. i've got one i think i've got one slick haired dog left and the rest of them have the silk hair where do you think that he silk got, came from well he got it from his daddy i mean he got it from both his mama too it's from uh it's from the the salukis mm-hmm. back in the in the back of their pedigree gotcha and, and probably some of them from the russian wolfhound probably Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Cause their coat is very Borzoi like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they, and if you just, I mean, I don't know how much he's got in him, but I, one night I did break it down and it was like 20% Saluki and 20% hot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then what we call the coat dogs, it was just the coat dog. Yep. Yep. But that whole litter, 
that dog and his black brother. Black brother was just smart, run good, wasn't as tough. But that's one thing I've found out with the Saluki, you've got to be careful because it will take some of your fight away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got, I think you got to be careful where you put it. I'm sure there are these Salukis out there that are pretty tough, but they're few and far between. I've heard, I, I have no experience yeah. in the matter. So it doesn't take much of a tough dog to whip a rabbit's butt. <laughs> yeah. So from, from my experience with the Saluki, it'll, it, you can, it, you can take the fight away from one. If you put too much of him in the cow dog. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't want a half and half. I, a quarter or the below a quarter is plenty for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get those but beneficial hey, traits at a quarter. You think? Cause I'm just after the feet yeah. and the durability and the, and the distance. The heat tolerance is nice too. I can run my Salukis at 75 degrees and they're fine. They caught a rabbit at 74 degrees and I was impressed. It's unbelievable. It really because, is. It really is. B- before my dogs before, I mean, those suckers would get hot. And, and, you know, and I, I had to, I had to change my ways when deuce come along because you, they don't get hot like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My hot I mean, ones, they cook quick after about 60 degrees. I put them away, but my Salukis, pff, they're fine. Yeah. You know, it's, it's incredible really. I mean, I run deuce one day up at, uh, up by Spearman run a mile race, couldn't get to them. They caught the coyote, all that stuff come back to the truck i mean didn't go a half mile it was late in the day and we caught several and uh i pulled the wrong rope and turned him out again oh and i told, i don't remember who was even with me i said well we probably just killed him because it you know it never fails when you're in a jam it's always a good coyote <laughs> so he run that coyote and they run that coyote another mile i mean he was just in slow motion and and Ty was on up north of me, and I told him, I said, catch that coyote because Deuce fixing to kill himself. Yeah. And he was hotter than a pistol, but just a few minutes, he he was fine. Wow. He just went and jumped in the truck, and we went home. But I if it had been before, if it had been five, six, seven years ago, I'd have had dead dogs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never really heard they, of a Saluki running himself to death, but I've definitely heard of Hot Bloods doing it many times. Little, no, lot I've, different I've, of a dog though. A lot different. Had, oh yeah, I've had several of the. If I only hunted in Amarillo and Hereford and happening down here, just around here, fifty miles around here, I wouldn't have the Saluki. Mm-hmm. I'd have those. I'd have them half hot hot rods. And that's the thing too. My the two dogs I got from Dean Bohannon, they've actually held up really well in my yeah. desert and everyone like a lot of people oh, in my yeah. area were like oh they're gonna be crippled they're gonna be crippled and they they haven't but they have definitely have a higher chance of getting hurt than my salukis but one thing that i think it's important to remember is they are running so hard you know what mm-hmm. i mean like they can just blast up on a rabbit and they actually have really good distance for those speed bred dogs but if i lived where Dean Bohannon lives, I would definitely be running high powered speed, but I run in really rough desert. So, um, Pronto and Calypso are, they're going to be the, the last of that super high powered breeding I run for a while because, um, I'm very limited where I can take them and have a great time and I want to protect well, but, them. But they have a shot of Saluki in them, don't they? They do. And de- I mean, they're definitely That's still running. You're getting away with it. Yeah. Yeah. They're 20% Saluki. Yep. If you took, if you took that 20% out and put 
that 20% back of hot or whatever else. Oh, they'd, they'd be, be destroyed. They'd be crippled. They'd be crippled. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, if, you want are... a running dog, if you want a running dog, go to Dean Bohan. Oh my gosh. Those dogs have been everything for me. I, I'm going to, okay. I can't, I can't gush on them too long because everyone's heard it a million times. Mm. But... Yeah, through the years, through the years, I've got several of them half hot from Dean, him and I are good friends and they made hell just caught dogs mm. in the mm. flat ground. Uh-huh. Yeah. But if I took them to where I go now that I'd kill them, you know, I'd hurt them. I'd cripple them. A lot of the Texas guys are like, why would I ever come to New Mexico and hunt? It sucks there. <laughs> yeah. They're not wrong in a way, you know, in a way. And, I, and, and they're right in a way. And, but that's what I've done and try to do all the time. It's on my mind. It's to create a dog that anybody that hunts can buy from me and take him home and, and enjoy him. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to have just my country dog. I want my dogs to be able to go anywhere. Yep. So that's what I'm trying to, and I'm always looking for that better dog. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that, that is uh, barn blind. If mm. you've got a better dog than I like, I'm going to try to buy him or breed to him or something. I'm going to try to put him in my, in my dogs. Yes, sir. That's I'm an not, important I'm lesson I've the, learned. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I don't know if the word's jealous or what, I don't care who owns him if he's, cause there's always a better dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I like him and, and I don't own him, I'm going to try to get him in my program. So the, the theme for this episode was um, like reflection and preparation. So what do you think? Tell me about your last season. How did it go? And, and what do you think was good and bad about your last season? You know, it was for the, for the droughts and like when we go down to New Mexico to, it's what I call our big hunt of the year. It wasn't very good. We caught 40, I think, and we usually catch a hundred. They just wasn't there. So yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if mother nature didn't let them have the pups. I don't know. It was just a harsh, harsh last two years. The rabbit population also just terrible. Yeah. And the, yeah. I mean, there was no cattle. Everybody droughted out that southern cattle. So there wasn't nothing for a cow to eat really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and then, uh, and in the same sense in other places, it was better. One, one ranch we hunt, it was unbelievable every time we went there. So, so it was weird. It, it, there was no uniform to last winter to me. Hmm. It just depends. It, it just depends where we went. I mean, there, they'd be couches and you could go 50 miles and there would still be a few couches, but not like normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just different last year. It was just different. I mean, we caught a lot of couches. I mean, the, my number <laughs> was still like it usually is, but we had to hunt a little harder, I guess is what I should say. And your dogs, how did they do? good they uh it's i mean they're the same dogs that i'd kind of run the year before they were mm-hmm. i had uh well i had deuce and pharaoh and all them were there they were two and three last year so they were pretty seasoned i run most of my stuff was pretty seasoned last year till the end and i started deuce's sons and they just acted like they were three years old i mean mm-hmm. they started real well i love that followed their old man everywhere he went they followed him well speaking of barn blind do you think your do you think your pack has any weaknesses well yeah i mean every every i think everybody has a weakness somewhere i mean as a whole i don't think it's that i don't think i'm very weak as a whole but there is a certain dog that you wish would do this a little better Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he might do something else good enough to justify keeping him 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'll use, I've got one. He's a, can see a coyote better than a human. He can trail a coyote. He can, you can send him blind to a coyote. Wow. That's cool. He runs good. He's, he's no trouble, but he could fight a little more. Gotcha. For me. But I let it go because of all the other stuff he does good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'll be an unbelievable puppy trainer this winter. Exactly. When he's taking dogs to a coyote, that's mm-hmm. super important. Yeah. My, you, you can send him blind for, I don't care. I mean, it's unbelievable what he does, some of it. And a lot of people don't believe it, and they think we're all lying about it because they just don't know until they go go watch it themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I questioned it before I started hunting with them guys the guys I hunt with didn't question it. I would never call them a liar because they, I believe everything they say. They're my friends, but Ty Cates is sending a dog. He called rooster a half a mile, a half a mile. And I'm not kidding you. It's in him a half a mile to wow. going up, a, going up a finger of a Canyon. Dang. <laughs> and you get over there and that dog would be running that coyote. And that's what, Holy and, smokes. Wow. And I've got one of my stud dogs is out of that dog. Mm-hmm. So you know, you answered one of my questions already pretty well. I was going to ask you how your views kind of evolved over the last few seasons, but it sounds like putting putting more durability and rough country breeding into your lines kind of seemed to have been something you've moving towards in the last few years. Yeah, about the last seven or eight years now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because it, it, it happened just because of the guys that I, I started hunting with. You know, they would come hunt with me and then I'd go hunt with them and my dogs would work up there, but I, I could see that I had to I had to add it. I had to add that into my deal. And it started with a dog named Jake, smart, one of the smartest dogs I've ever seen. And it, I, I started with him, with so, Miss K. So, that was the first time I bred her, and and it just went from there. Then then here come then here come Deuce. He was at, I got him from Dwayne. I bought several dogs from Dwayne when I started hunting in that kind of country that those guys hunt in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I bought some, I don't buy very many good dogs from people. They, they just don't suit me because I'm so picky. But I bought several from him and they were, they helped me get, get what I wanted. Where do you think you see yourself? improving where because everyone has like that like fantasy of a perfect dog what do you think you're going to do to improve moving forward what what are you thinking you're going to keep adding or mixing into i'm going to uh i mean i'm hoping these pups i've taken my best i've taken my best males and i've bred them to what i think are the the unbelievable best females and I've got them standing in my barn for this for this fall to see if if they're what I think they should be. They just had all the qualities you've mentioned below. They should, you, they, you, yes, I've put it all. I've put it all in one dog through their mom exciting. and their daddy. So and it may not work. It might. I don't know. But if I'm going to do it and put up, go through the hassle of keeping the little farts alive. <laughs> I mean, I think you should do the best to the best, and and. And hear me when I say it. And if I thought there was a better dog that suited me than Deuce, I'd have took my female and bred her to that dog if the man would let me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I just don't. I haven't seen him. I don't know where he's at. I don't know where he's at. I mean, I've had several people come this this 
spring and breed to deuce. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, so I breed, I breed to him because as we speak, it's not Cody's mine. He's the best one I've put in my pickup. All an all around dog now. All around yeah. dog. I've had tougher dogs. I've had faster dogs, but I'm talking everything. All around dog. Yep. He's got everything in his. He he does everything right. Let me ask you a question. I'm gonna. You've answered all my questions for the segment, so thank you. You're doing awesome. I'm gonna ask you a different question. This is this question is from Seth from my heart because I like to talk to people that have been doing this a long time and they know what's up. And you've experienced a lot of different things hunting with with sight hounds. But why do you like coyote hunting more than hare hunting? That seems to be kind of the debate. And I just kind of <laughs> wanted to pick your brain. I just wanted to know what you thought. I don't know because I'm a sucker for a rabbit race. <laughs> I like I mean, both I too. Love, so. <laughs> I love, but, and I'll just say this, I guess because I've gotten older. Used to, me and my buddies around over Portales and Clovis and around here, when we were younger, we would drive fast and want to get close and do the bumper-dumper deal that everybody hollers. But as I've gotten older, and I think the dogs have have done it for me like Deuce, I love to just – I'm kind of – it's kind of cruel to the dog because I, I'll let him out so far he don't have a chance. <laughs> But I want to watch him work. Yeah. I want to, yeah. I want to watch him. I like, I enjoy watching the dog not just hit the ground and just take off hard as he can running if, if he don't see the coat. I want him to go kind of where he thought he was, and I want him to pick him up, you know, with his nose and and trail him and not just be running hard, but yeah. just working, you know. Like be a, a more complete dog. Yeah. Just back and forth, back and forth, and and watch him work. And then, and then watch him when he gets his eye on the coyote, how, how they bear down and they run him another mile if they have to, to catch him. I enjoy the race. That's why I'm a sucker for a rabbit race because I've said that all my life. I said, oh, I ought to quit hunting coyotes and just run rabbits because I like to watch them dogs run. That's the thing. I, I think, um, the- I don't, ha- I don't care nothing about a 50 yard coyote race. It, it does nothing for me. And they're in the, in the videos or some of them are that way, but I'm, I'm, I'm videoing the dog. Cause someone wants to see him that may be trying to buy him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I they're mean, good so, videos too, <laughs> but they're really that's exciting. Not how we, yeah. That's not, that's, that's not my, that's not my cup of tea. Really. My cup of tea is, uh, you know, the quarter mile turnout down a Canyon and, and watch the dog work. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I interview a lot of people that have been hunting with these dogs for a long time and they all say that same thing you're saying that, you know, it used to be about stacking them up and now it's more about, I want a complete dog and I want to see the fruits of my decades of hunting come together in these really good dogs. And, uh, that's really exciting to hear and, and having mentors, I try to surround myself with really experienced mentors so that I can get to that level as quickly as possible. Cause you know, it's, it's really awesome. David Heiss, I hunt with him for coyotes and his dogs are amazing. They, I didn't even know sighthounds would trail a coyote. His picked oh, up yeah. the coyotes went to him just by scent and then started bounding above the grass. And then they saw the coyote. Yep. They wouldn't just kill themselves to try to run up to the coyote. They would just play it smart and move behind him at high speed until they could get him lined out. Mm-hmm. Then they ran him down and caught him. And that blew me away. That right there was like, okay, coyote hunting is awesome. Cause you can't really do that the, with a rabbit. Right. 
and that's we have a lot of those races you know when we when when our group gets together and goes hunting on the weekend I mean, we have a lot of those races that you just you just said it's really exciting <laughs> i mean you'll be up on a big top of a mesa and you can't you can't drive to it and he may be down in the bottom and you just got to let the dogs go and they do just what you said they they use their nose and the coyote may be already going up the other side of the canyon while they're still in the bottom but they're running and looking and and you you know when they you know when they when they pick him up you can see the gears go to shifting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then like you say they take care of themselves that's where it goes back to the brains i mean i've seen deuce be in the bottom of a canyon a coyote halfway up the side and he sees him and he don't he don't just turn it on he he goes but he don't turn it on till he breaks the other side where it's flat mm-hmm. and then he turns it on that's that's how i feel like if the, his brains if the well, sure it's brains and if and if you breathe those brains to your females and you get that pup and he does the same thing it gives him a better chance of doing the same thing as his daddy if he if he's with him exactly it's both it's both, it's both. Uh, nurture and nature both genetics yeah. and being taught I mean, Deuce is just a dog. When we go hunting around here, if we go over to my buddies at Herford where we hunt, his his boys outrun him terrible because it's just across the wheat field, flat ground, and they can turn it on. And they're younger. So they do get ahead of the old man. But when we go up there to where it gets tough, yeah, ain't nobody yeah. can cut the old man off yet. <laughs> I love that. Randy, I want to come hunting with you, buddy. I want to experience this. I do. Yeah, I told Dean the other other night. Dean called and I said, "You got to come. You got to come one of those weekends. We go and you got you got to see it." I need to come hunting with Dean too. I need to take my dogs up to the crops and and let them rip it up out there. I just never have because it was hard for me to keep both of my dogs sound at the same time, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to drive six hours to, with one dog. But now I got four, and I guarantee they'll be sound enough to hunt. And so I'm going to, oh, I need yeah. to come up there and, and let them run on some crop fields. My dogs will be confused. They'll be like, what? Yeah, they, were, what? They, they won't know what to do. <laughs> They're not feeding a rock on their foot. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited for the future. And I love to talk to people with these, you know, decades of experience and diverse opinions. And so, uh, Randy, if there's any final, uh, thoughts or questions you have, brother, now is the time. I just, I just thank everyone. I want to breed a better dog every year. I want to breed a dog that will catch a deer if, if I want to. I want, you know, I want to be fast and smart. It's, 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 it's never, it's a never ending deal with me because you can always make them better. I totally agree. Everything has gotten better over the years. The, the coyotes, the athletes, the human athletes are better than they were. Basketball players now are better than I was when I was a senior. They're more athletic, they're bigger, they're stronger, and and that's the way it needs to be. I couldn't agree more. I've heard that a lot, that the dogs now are better than they've ever been. Oh, yeah. My dogs now are better than, than my grandpa's dogs. Couldn't ever even warm them up. But, <laughs> now, do but you think it's because but, you're a better houndsman than you were no, and you raised no, better dogs? No. I just, because they had good dogs. David Heiss was a young man back then, my grandpa. They had hellacious coat dogs. I, I remember watching them. My dad had some half hot buds that were unbelievable catch coat. But as times, as time goes on, you have to 
you have to adjust with, with, you have to go with it. The circumstances change. Yep. I mean, it's just like rascal. He's been gone 14 years, but, but today he, he, he would be the best dog in my barn just because they've, they've improved. They've, been, they've improved and I've, I've, I think I've helped improve it by adding pronto or, you know, a faster dog to my stuff or, you know what I mean? Adding pronto is always a good call. <laughs> I may be well, biased though. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, it would not bug me a bit to take that black dog and breed him to one of my tough females. Yeah, those would be some speedy, some speedy ones and, and good distance saying. too. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Over the years I've done that with people. I've, I've implemented that their blood, that dog's blood into mine to either speed them up or make them tougher or. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the fun of dogs. That's the fun of of owning dogs is we get to think of these mix and matches to try to find that perfect, perfect litter. And you hope, I hope that these liver colored pups out here, my point of breeding them the way that I bred them is that they'll be better than their dad. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They'll They'll be faster. He'll make them smart but they'll be able, they'll be able to be smart. They got enough brains to learn. Right. Right. Randy, I think we need to have a, I think we need to have a part two brother. (laughs) I just, if you're breeding them and if they're not being better than their parents, then there's no need to breed them. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Well, that's what I think. And that may not be right, but that's what I think. I think you're right. And I don't know if I'm the authority on everything, but I, uh, I think that sounds pretty dang smart to me. So Randy, I wanted to thank you for coming on brother. We're going to do this again. I got a time limit on this, unfortunately, but we're going to recome back. I want, there's a lot more to cover. I can tell we still only scratched the surface on this. So Randy, thank you so much for coming on the Hounds of XP podcast, buddy. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again, bud. That'll be good. I'll, I enjoyed it. So anytime. Thank you, sir. How many times do you hound doggers catch yourself thinking about an awesome hunt you had or retelling this great story with family and friends around the dinner table and all you have to remember that moment is some terrible cell phone picture or worse, no picture at all? Well, Houndsman XP has partnered with Rough Cut Company to help solve your problem and make beautiful pieces of art to remember for all time your experiences in the field. Rough Cut Company is an American-owned and American-made business in Wisconsin that specializes in custom, unique photo engravings on hardwood that are framed to any picture you want. They also do customizable antler dog chews and even beautiful, unique antler rings from their own red deer in Wisconsin. Rough Cut Company can do pretty much anything you ask. Their customer service is second to none. Give them a look at roughcutcompany.com and when you check out, make sure you check out with HXP 10% off to get a discount on your final purchase. Check them out you guys and support people that support houndsmen and help keep us in the field and remembering those times forever thank you randy again and uh i i look forward to having you on again we we talked for a bit after this interview and i was like man i should have kept the record button going but that's life that's life i told him hey we're gonna come on we're gonna have that conversation again and uh, before we wrapped it up 
wrap it up, Lauren, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Tell me about a reflection from your last season and where are you going to move forward coming into the next one? Putting me on the spot as always, Seth. Um, I've probably talked about it quite a bit, but honestly, I, I thought about last season as far as bears are concerned. I didn't hunt super hard for bears in Wisconsin. I kind of got freaked out about the wolves. Um, so I jetted out to Colorado and hunted really hard out there. Um, but I wanted to see a little bit more out of my dog. So hopefully I can do that again this year. And I'm going to go harder for bears this year. I have a new spot to hunt um, with some new people, uh, blue tick people. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Who, who um, do you think was your best dog? Last year? Uh, yep. Piper, for sure. Okay, like, yeah. hands down. But River and Ridge both made their first truck to tree bear, too like the second day nice. they hunted. So, nice. and Ridge had never seen a bear before in his life. Neither had River, obviously, but still. Um, but coon season, we went really hard and we did really, really well. And it was just really fun to see my dogs turn on. And Ridge just really, really, really made me happy. Um, he's he's my next prodigy coon dog for sure. Um, and well, Piper's hopefully being bred this summer. So that will kind of lead into what my next seasons look like. But reflecting back, I think I just need to push my dogs a little bit harder, not be as scared. Um, just get out there, get after it, prepare my body as well. Um, I keep my dogs in shape year round. So that really hasn't been an issue. Um, and just, I'm looking forward to hopefully maybe getting to travel some places and see other dogs hunt. Um, maybe get out to West Virginia in December for their bear season. And I'm just, I'm ready to see the young dogs turn on. Piper has shown me what she needs to show me and she'll be laid up for a while with, with puppies, hopefully. Um, so yeah. Just what about you, you Seth? Need, more dogs. More dogs, <laughs> right? I know. I need to get rid of, I need to get rid of two, Abby and Millie, so that I can add two more from Piper's litter. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, what about me? Reflections from last season. You know, I am a huge data nerd and uh, I took a lot of inspiration from Bart Hogue's book, The Hound Log. And uh, what I did was I made a, using an online website, I took all the data that I wrote down in The Hound Log. I transcribed it to a PDF and then I uh, added all the photos and stills from the videos to make a information log with pictures attached to it in this big eight and a half by 11 hardcover lay flat book. So it's like a scrapbook plus a hound log and it's like super HD. It turned out sick. And so um, I'm making another one. And for the season prior, I want to have this long log that the, the inspiration for this episode was I was talking to some older houndsmen that are like, man, Seth, I really wish I had written everything down like you have been for the last four years for 20 years so that I could remember all these things that you're going to remember forever. Not to mention I have these pictures and and 4K videos. Patrons know what I'm talking about. And so it's like, I just really wanted reflections. My season went incredible. My greyhounds, they just just continued to be monsters. And uh, this was the twilight of their prime. Uh, my Salukis just came on like rock stars. They ended the season just, oh man, so good. So much better than I could have ever hoped. 
And so preparing for next year, keep my dogs in shape. And uh, it's time for my Salukis to take the reins and hopefully be the MVPs of my season. And, and uh, the hair population looks like it's recovering. So hopefully all fingers crossed, fingers, toes, tongue, everything crossed. We get Stars a line. Yeah. Monsoon this year where we can get some good rain and I can have a season where I don't have to spend three hours looking for one hair. So reflections, proud of my dogs preparing for the future, hopefully uh, going to see some awesome Saluki action. So pretty simple for me and uh, keep writing and keep taking tons of pictures and videos so that I can remember this stuff for decades. That's my, that's I my wish goal. I had that. I wish I had the dedication and organization that you do to keep those logs and to like, even for a competition hunt, I cannot remember for the life of me, the play by play, but there's so many old guys are like, Oh, and then scrappy, he went and he, he struck for 25 and -and so-and-so blah, 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 waiting up. And (laughs) I don't remember that stuff, but Hey guys, this is a great show. Thank you so much for listening and make sure that you're engaging with us on our Facebook group. Tell your friends about us. Let us know on Apple Podcasts. How are we doing? Give us a review. Type some words in there. Yeah, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's how you help Hounds and XP, those reviews, those subscriptions. So thank you, guys. Uh, thank you to the patrons. Thank you to all our listeners. Everyone, you're the best. I love. We love working. I'm going to say I, but I'm going to say we <laughs> love working for Hounds and XP. It's been an amazing ride, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy this. Reach out to us if you want to have a tailgate talk with me. Uh, we can have you guys on the Patreon page. We can have segments. Just We love engagement, and that's what we're all about. So everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next month. Talk to you all later. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.